have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, aloha and welcome again to the believer's journey. It's so nice to have you back and have you here on our show today. Today we're going to talk about giving to those in need. And we're talking about not just people who need money, but people who will need food or clothing or a place, a shelter, um, a place to get mail. I mean, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing, but we're going to talk about this. And uh, my guest today is, uh, her name is Don White Fosdick, mm -hmm. and she is uh, executive director for the Christian Assistance Ministries, which we call CAM mm -hmm. here. So... Um, Hello, good morning. Hi, good morning. Pleased to be here. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you. And um, just to let some of you know who are in San Antonio, some of you knew that I was going to have a different guest. His name is Greg McClanahan. He's a missionary down in uh, Chiapas, Mexico, and their ministry goes all over the world. And he happened to have uh, a situation where he's having uh, emergency surgery. So if you keep him in prayer, that would be really good. So it was so nice for you, really. I'm just so thankful that you filled in. Well, thank so, you. And I've been reading about uh, your ministry and about you, and we've had some talks, and it's kind of, you're really an interesting person. And uh, the ministry you represent is phenomenal. Phenomenal. But uh, let me let me read what I, I want to read to our guests. Here. Okay. So um, Don White Fosdick is the executive director for Christian Assistance Ministries, which we've said, CAM, we're going to call it. And Don was raised in a Christian family and has attended mostly private Christian schools until high school. Okay. In fact, she has moved 13 times before graduating to three high schools. Yeah. Now, I, you've got me beat. I've moved 11 times. <laughs> and when I was in high school, I actually moved into my car, and then I moved into a couple's home and paid rent, and then moved back into my car and into a pastor's home, but yeah. um, but 11 times. So I thought I had most people beat, but that's pretty good, 13 times. There were multiple years that I went to two different schools oh, wow. in two different cities. So when I was in kindergarten, I had a brother who was had a terminal illness, and I was flown to live with my grandmother in Odessa. And... Um, so I went to two schools in kindergarten, and in sixth grade, we moved in the middle of my sixth grade year. So that's just made there be so many different times we, we moved. It's pretty amazing. And, you know, and I know that when I did this and we moved around, you know, I guess there was maybe once or twice it bothered me because I made friends. But after that, it was it was okay. I did view it as an adventure, so I had a different thought process about it. And I remember when we moved from California to North Carolina, I had some fantasy that it was going to be like um, the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> so the idea of moving to a quaint little southern town. So, yes, every time we moved, there was this idea that it was an adventure and I was going to get to meet new and exciting people. Um, and I feel like it, it made me the person I am today and, and makes me love people and want to do this kind of work. That's great. Anyway, let me go on. It says her faith is in Christ and in the message of salvation. Worshiping and you've worshiped in many denominations and you've allowed uh, this has helped allowed you to serve in CAM. Because right now you work with many different denominations and churches as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. So this is kind of nice. I know that for me, it was kind of nice. I went to, when I'm a Bible teacher, and I've gone to a university. This is a Nazarene, which is like Methodist, right. Wesleyan. And then I've also gone to Liberty, which is Calvinistic. Yeah. So I had the two, and I've kind of put them together to to weed out stuff. And Absolutely. So, so it's kind of interesting when you go to different places, you learn on the different sides of the views, and you're able to come back together and reach out to both. Absolutely. And a lot of our volunteers come from various denominations, and people support us from various denominations. And a lot uh -huh. of times, those denominations don't mingle. A Baptist and a Catholic may not be normally knowing what each other is doing and how they worship. So um, at CAM, we all serve together. So we're, we're there to serve with grace and um 
grace in action and sort of do what Jesus would want us to do. And our denomination really doesn't matter. But then I visit their churches. And so being comfortable in their environments and the way they worship and speaking their language, you you use terms like Calvinism and not everybody knows what that means. Um, So that part really has helped me feeling comfortable with understanding that there are various doctrines and ideas behind theology and Christianity, but the central message is still the same. Absolutely. And I like that because I know that, well, going on, I want to read this and I want to make a comment, is that you have a deep respect for the power of the body of Christ working together, which you've talked to, to share and show the message of grace and hope. One of the things I, I really... When I was younger, I didn't grow up in the church. I started going when I was 16, really, and I, I kind of learned about stuff as as we as I started going, and there was a Baptist here or a Methodist here, a Nazarene there, a Catholic there, and everybody seemed to be, back in the 70s, it was all denominational. Mm-hmm. So you might hear a Methodist say, well, you know, those Baptists, they need to get saved because they're not Christians. Right. And, yeah, okay, <laughs> so you know exactly what I mean. Yes, yes. And vice versa, and so you had yes. it all different. And I know that I've come to a point in my life, which I see you have too, that the body of Christ are those who have made Jesus Lord of their life. Yes. And follow him and their teachings, regardless of, of the church they go to. Absolutely. I, I love the idea that we've created denominations because humans are different people. And we like to worship different ways. There are parts of the Bible that may mean something to us in a bigger way than they do another person. And so I can respect the idea that those denominations feed a need that different people have, but that ultimately our belief is not in Catholicism or an individual pastor pastor being Baptist or whether you're baptized underwater or sprinkled. None of that matters. The message is that Jesus is the son of God. He came here to forgive us of our sins and belief in that is enough. Absolutely. In fact, it was interesting uh, about a week or a couple weeks ago, I interviewed a person uh, for the show here, um, and she just had a, a book that became a bestseller over, I mean, within six hours. It was wow. just uh, uh, fantastic. And she's Catholic, always has been Catholic. And yet in talking to her, she all her life, she has believed that Jesus is her Lord and she needed to have a relationship with him, mm-hmm. which is not a typical ba- a Catholic teaching or understanding. Sure. So I, I was amazed with this lady. I mean, she's just totally, I just was totally in love with the, right. everything that she was saying. It was great. So I remember teaching in a Baptist uh, high school years ago in Hawaii. And these kids come up and running. And um, they asked me, is it true, mister, is it true that if you go to a Catholic church, you go to hell? I'm like, what idiot told you this? Well, it happened to be another teacher who goes to a Baptist church. <laughs> I'm like, don't say that I told you that because. Right. So it got back to you need to have a relationship and, and right. it's the understanding of that. And I really think that's important um, that we do understand. And I love the way you presented this. And I love the way uh, Christian System Ministries really has that at their forefront. Absolutely. I do. I feel like it's a blessing that I get to work there. Um, I wanted to work in nonprofit and serve people. And so to join my desire to serve people with my faith is really awesome. And the fact that um, it's not related to a denomination, that you don't have to profess anything to get help, that we're here to demonstrate the love of Christ through grace and action. And that hopefully that light will shine hope and opportunity for the clients we serve, whether they are of our Christian faith or they're not, that they will see that there is an opportunity for everyone to be blessed and to um, know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and I think that's so important for people today um, who are who attend a church, mm-hmm. go to church, or part of a church, or believe that they are a believer or a Christian, that we see this overall in the entire scriptures. I mean, if you look in the Old Testament, look at the book of Ruth. Mm-hmm. Ruth was not a Jew. And right. yet, you know, she was accept she accepted in and became right. that by her faith yeah. in God. I think we need to understand that on a more personal level and so that we can be empathetic and sympathetic and 
accepting right. of that. I do worry right now in our culture that um, the Christian faith sometimes gets misconstrued by um, good-intended people who lead with judgment sometimes and make it hard for someone to see that Jesus and Christianity could be for them too. So I love the idea that there's a ministry out there, CAM, that I didn't found, someone else did over 40 years ago, um, that invites everyone in to be a part of showing the love of Christ through um, action and prayer and giving back. And then I think through that, a heart can be changed. And that's what I want people to see, not that um, they're a bad person or that they're being judged, but that Jesus came for everyone. Yeah. Um, well, in fact, in the Old Testament, you know, what Jesus says, you know, that the biggest or most important commandments are to love God with all of your being and love one another as yourself mm-hmm. is very um Illuminating. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you start there, it does start to change you. Because there's a lot of distractions. We're all distracted by so many things. But if we just start with that simple concept and let that lead us, I think our hearts do get opened up to new and wonderful things and ways to serve and help that benefit ourselves as well as others. Yeah. I know that in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, when it talks about loving others as yourself, uh, is related to loving others in a moral and a social sense. Mm-hmm. I know that in the, the Greek in the New Testament, he uses agapeo, which is to give up yourself. Absolutely. And so we need, as believers, we need to understand that's commanded of us. Absolutely. You know, both Old Testament and New Testament. And it's something yeah. that's very, very important. Yeah. So um, it says here, I'm going to go on, that you have been with CAM for 11 years. Yes. And that you've worked uh, for nonprofits in San Antonio for 22 years. Yes. That's a long time. It is. And I see a purpose. You know, I mentioned in that description that I had moved that many times that I grew up in a Christian family. I think that when I came to San Antonio and began working in nonprofit, that that was all a part of my journey to get to my ultimate purpose in working in nonprofit from a faith-based organization. And so I think the other nonprofits, which were Family Service Association and Goodwill, um, I've stayed a long time at both places, really helped me to learn what we need to do to help people, um, an understanding of the systemic issues, even some of the business of nonprofits, so that by the time um, I was able to apply for my position at Christian Assistance Ministry, I felt like God had prepared me for um, this ultimate ministry, and um, I'm excited to be here. That's great. Let me let me go on. I mean, here's I mean, it's, it's so you have such rich stuff in here. It's really good. It says here the cam was um, created um, by eighty. I'm sorry, nine churches, mm-hmm. nine churches, and now there's eighty of them. That support? That officially support it, where they've signed an agreement. But we get a lot of different support from churches. But yes, mm-hmm. it's grown from nine member churches that said they wanted to create a nonprofit to help people to um, 80 that officially support it. I wanted to mention just sort of how it was founded, because it's pretty profound, that the downtown churches in, I think, 1977, um, were doing what many churches do, and that is helping people here and there. You know, at First Presbyterian, they might have had a food pantry or a closet. At St. Mark's Church, they might have had the same thing, too. And they, one, began wondering, were they really helping these people? Because often the church secretary is the one who who sees the person face-to-face just walking in off the street. And it's hard to make a decision. Who do you help and why? But then... Um, a homeless person died on the door, the steps of First Presbyterian Church, and the pastor at the time, Louis Sabenden, who just recently passed away, um, I think was convicted. What were they really doing to help people? And although Cam doesn't just serve homeless people, um, that particular incident, I really think, was a catalyst for him to reach out to other pastors and said, what if we served as the body of Christ? utilize our collective churches for volunteers, our collective donations, our collective minds and um, 
food and created one entity that could do a better job of discernment on how to serve and who to serve, could be available every day, and we could do more and do better for our low-income families, people in crisis, the homeless, senior citizens, working poor. How could we be that place uh, to share the love of Christ by providing this, this emergency assistance? And that's how CAM was created. That's amazing. Um, you have on your website, it says something really unique. And I think this is amazing. It says, CAM works much like an emergency room of social services. All are um, welcome and no one must make an appointment. Yes. I like that. It's huge. I don't think people realize this, but when you're in crisis, you need that help immediately. Just like you do if you're having a physical crisis. When you're having a heart attack, you don't want to have to make sure you fit a certain zip code or an age range and know that that emergency room will help you. You want to know you can walk in the door when they're open and they're going to at least assess you, stabilize you, and then link you to a specialist. And so I feel like that's what we do at CAM. Some of our clients are in chronic crisis, which emergency rooms sees people like that too. And then others just have a short-term issue. And if they only knew where to go, get some help, they could avoid further problems. So it says here um, with the volunteers of 200 volunteers and you serve 50,000 people annually. Yes. That's quite a, quite a lot. You have eight, eight uh, people full-time and three part-time, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, this is what you guys do, and this is what I think we want to talk about a little bit here. It says, CAM helps people with financial assistance for utilities, prescriptions, and ID recovery. That's kind of unique. I'm going to have to explain that, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> it helps, uh, they help, uh, comes through items such as food, clothing, uh, they help with transportation and referrals to other organizations for long-term help. Um, for clients who are homeless, they have, uh, CAM provides 5,000 meals per month, uh, a free place to receive mail. I could use that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they have showers and hygiene items, and they annually uh, CAM provides coats, school supplies, and free have a free, free Christmas store. And that's actually how I Heard got connected yeah. with you because our church had in the bulletin uh, about uh, places and ministries that are helping out with Christmas. Yes. And yours was right in our bulletin. Nice. Um, and they support. They uh, CAM also has spiritual support, which includes prayer, daily morning chapel, and Bibles. Yeah. So talk about all the things you do. You know, you got three minutes. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> but I can be quick. Um, so I think when they founded CAM, um, and I like to say that I was blessed to have people that have spent the past 30 years really discerning the best way to help. They didn't want to duplicate services. They wanted to make sure they met the most immediate critical needs in our community and that they could partner with other community organizations who were doing other things and providing for long-term supports. And so food is always a critical issue. Many times people make a living, but if they have to repair their brakes, they might use their grocery money for that, and then they're not going to get paid for a couple of days. And so a place like CAM can fill in the gap. Or maybe a family is going to get food stamps, but they won't get it for three or four weeks. We can fill in the gap with a food resource. Um, something like utility assistance is a high need. We know how uh, critical air conditioning is here in San Antonio. Just let's be, it's a serious medical issue, really, if you're, mm -hmm. you're a senior citizen and on fixed income and all of a sudden you have a two or $300 bill, getting some help with that. So basically we've come up with the things that we've determined with other nonprofits that are huge issues in our community. And if we can help the client with that, that's going to help them avoid that crisis or a further crisis. And that's where weird things have come in, like the mail service. We realize that if somebody um, is couch surfing, so maybe they're not homeless, but they're living with different people, having a consistent place to receive mail, to receive a social security check. What if they're trying to get a new ID? 
uh, or they need their birth certificate mailed to them. So having a place um, where they can receive mail that's going to be safe and be consistent is really important. And then, of course, our homeless clients really need that. They have prescriptions, Social Security checks, and some of them may be working to get off the street, and they really need that address to even fill out an application for a job. And so the address is so much more than just a free place to receive mail. It's about helping them move forward and change their life and to be a stable member of society. It's a huge resource. I knew a a lady once who uh, moved from one state to another state, Mm -hmm. and she had uh, three children with her, and to go to a job that she was hired for. And when she got there, uh, they decided while she was en route to that they were not going to open that mm-hmm. position for her. So she got there without a job. Her funds was were really low and ended up that she ended up back in her car with her two, three children. Right. Because she didn't have an address, she couldn't get welfare because she had right. no mailing address. Yes. So we found that that free service, it doesn't cost us much. We just have to have a volunteer to manage the mail and, and have a time for people to pick it up, that it is vital for many people. Um, I mentioned the ID recovery thing, and you mentioned someone from out of state. So if you come in out of state and you want to qualify to get into some of the local housing programs or um, a shelter, you have to have a Texas state ID. And so helping someone to pay for that. And it's not just paying for it. They may not realize all the documents they must have to even get an ID, which includes a birth certificate, a social security card, some other form of ID. And we work on that process with the clients. So it's not just paying for it. It's helping them resolve those issues. I am. Um, this just came to my mind. I'm not sure how this is going to fit in, but we, if we can talk about it. I, I know that not everybody on the street, well, you have a, a variety. You have people who are put on the street because of financial situations. Sure, like the lady you mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. You also have people, I learned one time, I was in L.A., Watts, I guess they call it, uh, Skid Row, um, and I met a man who was a doctor living on the street, and he chose to leave his practice and leave his family to live on the street because he didn't want to handle or couldn't handle the stresses any longer of all his life and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I don't know if he had a breakdown. I really don't know all Mm -hmm. of that. I just know he couldn't do it anymore, Mm -hmm. so he chose to be on the street. Mm -hmm. And therefore, at this point, he was, I mean, he he was a doctor, but he didn't have any money. He didn't have anywhere to live. He just stayed and lived on the underneath, you know, where the store fronts were and so forth. Do you find things like that in in your ministry? Absolutely. So um, I would identify various levels of homelessness. You've got families who it's a short-term situation, like the mom you mentioned. Um, Likely, if we can get someone like her in a program, we could easily get her off the street with kids and things like that. Um, You have people who may have been recently incarcerated, and it's They get out of jail and all of a sudden they have to start over. So they might find themselves homeless. I think they too probably would be easier to get off the street. There are what I consider to be easier, more short-term individuals. Then you have unsheltered street homeless. And I don't like to use the term that they've chosen it because clearly that doctor has a huge mental health issue. His brain is telling him something that is not correct that living on the streets without money, without means, denying his education and his ability that he's already earned, that this is a better choice. So that's not really a choice. But once we get beyond that, yes, people who have substance abuse issues, PTSD, um, have been in chronic poverty, um, mental health issues do find themselves on the street. And And I will say at CAM, we often end up serving some of those homeless clients more long term than many places because Um, we're sort of the last resort. They're not able to function or comply with places that have rules and um, helping you get off the street and some of the shelters, and they do wander the street. And so what we're providing to that client is a place to receive mail, um, a stable place to get food, clothing, showers, um, and mercy. And I don't know what God's plan is for that person. 
Will there be healing for that mental breakdown? Can they recover from their substance abuse? I have to believe that they can and that through Christ and through these kinds of services that there may be um, restoration for that individual. But it's not for me to know. So we serve anyone despite the reason they find themselves on the street or in a financial difficulty um, because not all of our clients are homeless despite that. And so I do think that when you do a job like this, you have to come at it with your, we're not here to know why we're serving them. We've just been called to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm under the belief that the scriptures teach God's people to um, take care of those who are poor or in need or who are widowed or who are orphaned. And they don't have to deserve it. Right. Because Christ's gift to us is not because you've proven you're worthy. You are all worthy. Right. It's not like, you know, it says if if they're okay, go ahead and help them. It right. Nowhere right. does it say that. But it does talk about helping people and ministering and taking care of those who are less fortunate, who sure. are poor, who are in need. And um, so I tend to have the belief system that we are honored and it is our responsibility to do this. And unfortunately, I think our country in the United States, I know this program is going worldwide mm-hmm. into some very poor countries. Sure. And I do think that in our country, because we've become wealthy as a country, we've tended to want to let the government shoulder this sure. rather than ourselves. And I think by doing that, we're giving up blessing. Absolutely. Personal blessing, uh, blessing as a church, blessing right. as a people. And I think that, you know, the Bible says that if the poor is going to be with us forever. Yeah. We're always going to have poor. Yeah. And I think that it's our responsibility to take care of them. The Bible tells us this. Sure. And I think it's so important that we as believers realize this and take care of the poor because God will take care of us and take care of them as we do that. And it's it's healthy for us spiritually, physically, mentally, in all ways. It's really good for us to do this, and it's important that we do And there's always enough. I think that sometimes people worry about that. We need to trust God that there's going to be enough for us to care for other people despite our own personal circumstances. And that what goes around comes around, so we may never know when we need this kind of help. So we just need to do it because it's the right thing to do and not worry about all of the other issues. Um, And when you do it with an organization, you can know that we have thought about safety concerns. We have thought about what the client's obligation is. We do have some rules so that our helping is worthwhile in the sense that you can't get, you don't come there every day to get financial assistance for your utility bills. We want to help you that one time that year and then connect you to a long-term resource. And we even create some rules on campus, especially for our long-term chronic clients that help them follow routines. So like you can only check your mail at 9, 12, and 3. And that may seem like something very little, but when you start living on the streets and you start forgetting about the fact that the world has requirements and you have to be places at certain times, we're trying to create a space where we're doing a little tough love to educate you on how to care for yourself. Um, Even the ID issue, we require you to have an ID for us to help you. But we'll say, if you don't have one today because yours was stolen or lost or you were from another state, we'll help you find one. But don't keep coming back every month or every week or once a year without that because we're saying you need it for life. Um, So I think we really try to wrap around the gift of service with helping you do better for yourself. It's not just about us doing a handout. It's also a hand up. Um. In, in all of my shows and the people who have ever, in my classes where I teach and people who know me, they're um, <clears throat> very aware that I, I, every year I try to go to a uh, mission field. It's in Moldova, the Republic of Moldova, uh-huh. which is in Eastern Europe. And they're considered the poorest country in all of Europe. And um, it, it's phenomenal to see uh, a group a country, a city of, of poor people and how they interact with one another opposed to 
a country and a city here where people interact very differently who are not poor. Mm -hmm. And it, it's interesting. Um, we support some missionaries there. And the missionaries that we have a h bigger heart for and actually, actually give more are those missionaries who literally take out of their pocket and help those who are poor, mm -hmm. who don't have shoes, right. who don't have food. And I'm right. seeing poor people helping poorer people. Right. I'm like, oh, my heart goes out to them. I see that all the time at CAM. Um, I think more of us, more people sit around worrying about themselves and this idea. How do you know the person really needs the help? And I'm like, do you think somebody would sit in our waiting room for two hours for a $10 check to pay for an ID if they didn't really need the help? But what I really see is the generosity of people that I think are low income or are poor themselves, the generosity they give to CAM. We actually had a client just write a... Um, check to us, not a personal check, like the kind you have to go buy, because he didn't have a checking account, of $100 because he wanted to thank CAM, Church Under the Bridge, and the various nonprofits that had helped him. And constantly, I see clients say things, I'll say good morning to them, or how are you doing? And I almost feel bad to say that, because how are they doing? They're here at CAM. You know, but that's one of our polite things we say. And the client will be say back to me, I am just so blessed. And I think to myself, here we are griping about, you know, waiting in line or not getting what we want. And I've got this little grandma who can barely walk down the stairs in tattered shoes. And she's telling me, I'm so blessed. So, yes, I'm yeah. humbled daily by those who are far worse than anybody can imagine. Yeah. Clients who have no running water and haven't had it for six months with a family of six. They live here in our country, in yeah. our city, still saying they're blessed. That's and even giving back to us. That's pretty amazing. It is. Actually, I had a lady named Regina, who I'm still friends with, six years later, who came to CAM to give us $30. And we thought she was there to get help. So everybody kept moving her to different people. And finally, she said, no, you all already helped me. You paid a, a water bill for me. I've got my first paycheck of $300. I'm going to tie that to you all. And here's $30. And I thought, she got a $300 paycheck. She can't afford to give us $30. And she was there to do that. And Well, obviously, she understood the whole teaching of giving yes. that God gives us in the scriptures about tithing. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So... Um, you know, it's funny, uh, in reading about you and your life, I, I got interested. And I don't know if you, there's a TV show called NCIS mm -hmm. with and a guy named Gibbs. And Gibbs has these rules. Uh -huh. And when I was reading about you, you have these rules. And I thought that's kind of cute. So what I'm going to tell our audience here is you have acted most of your uh -huh. adult life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're part of a comedy improv uh, troupe. Mm -hmm. And you think that their rules, the rules of improv, are really cool. Yes, they're cool rules for life. And so, and there's five of them. Yes, there's and really a whole bunch, but I gave you the top you gave five. five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think Gibbs has like 40 rules. Uh -huh. and, and I think it's hilarious. Rule number seven, you know, right. it's like so funny. Anyway, so do you know these rules off the top of your head? Well, I can't remember how I wrote them, so read them out Okay, for so first one is relationships are the most important. Absolutely. Define and name relationships and be personal. Yes. And in improv, you, you you jump on the stage and someone's given you a scene and this person is across from you. And if you waste time just saying, hey, how are you? That's not funny for the audience. So you must immediately form a relationship with your partner. So I jump on stage and say, hi, dad. You know, I'm your oldest daughter, and I'm sick of how you've been treating me. And so immediately <laughs> the audience is engaged. And so I think the idea of um, starting with relationships and being immediate with that applies to our normal life. Let's not waste time saying, hey, how are you, or ignoring uh -huh. people. Let's get deep. Let's know who you are, what your title is, and how you're involved in my life. Yeah, I like that because I know so many times we go, how are you? Fine. Okay, right. thank you. Bye. And right. That That's was boring. It. When we know nothing about. Right. 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 <laughs> I think, and to me, church, you know, the 
what church is is the expression and the working of the body of Christ getting together Absolutely. and not just saying hello goodbye hi how are you Bye. fine goodbye it's about uh, what can I pray for you about what is it that you need yes. here let me share you my needs and, and and going back to me saying we can't just talk about the poor like there's some big group of people let's have a relationship with them exactly. let's get to know Kevin I, that's one of my clients I know well or Regina the one I told you gave the $30 Let's name them. Yeah, so so I, I totally like that that first yeah. one. Your number two one is never deny anyone's point of view or what they give you. So in improv, when someone comes on stage and says to me, Hi Dad, I have to become dad. He's given me that title and I have to start being masculine and being the dad. And that makes it funny in an improv show because he's given, I don't say, no, I'm not your dad. I'm, that ruins the whole thing. And I thought to myself in life, how many times do we deny people versus hearing what their point of view? And one of the big terms they use in improv is yes and. So when they give you something, you say yes and you add to it. So if somebody in life gives me an idea or a, a thought process, I need to affirm it and add to it. So I love the don't deny or the yes and. I think it that can you imagine how much better we'd all get along and, and learn from each other if we did a lot more um, accepting and yes anding? Well, I think we have a lot of talkers and not very many listeners yes. in our world. And yes. that, that's probably one of the problems. <laughs> yes, because to actually not deny somebody, you have to hear what they said. Exactly. And really hear it. Yeah. So number three, you have always, quote unquote, got your back. Yes. So when we, when we in improv, when you start working, you always tell your partners, your seeing people, I got your back. Because that's a very vulnerable place to be on stage with no script um, playing off of each other. It can be very embarrassing. And the audience gives you clues. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, that's kind of what it's like. And um, I love it, though, because what if we all interacted at work or in, in family or with friends or at church with the attitude that we all have each other's back? Then you never have to worry about what you're doing because someone always got your back. And that's really the way it is supposed to be with the body of Christ. Yeah. I mean, we're supposed to have one another's back. We're supposed to be uplifting one another. Right. We're supposed to be protecting and giving of ourselves to right. one another. I mean, it's that's scriptural. Yes. Yeah. Very scriptural. Yeah. Number four, get to the point. Yes. So once again, in improv, it's boring for the audience if you're sitting around bantering. Well, I went to the store. No, uh, you know, how are you doing? They want you to, in improv, we call it sometimes even drop a bomb or get to the point. So it's much more entertaining to get on the stage and say, hi, Bob, I heard your house got uh, blown up yesterday. Now we got something to talk about. That's. Yeah you know, major. But in life, um, especially even at work, when we talk about it, Cam, or I'm seeing clients short term, I need to get to the point. Let's get to what the problem is or how I'm going to help you. Let's not waste all this time. Well, we have talkers. Um, I Before coronavirus came in, we were, there's three of us guys, we would have a guy's night out. And sometimes there'd be four. Um, and we go and talk. And one of these guys in particular would start to tell a story and the story consisted of every little fine detail as you go along after 10 minutes it's like get That's to the point, point. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah so and finally number five you have don't try to be funny be authentic yes so when i would tell people that i was in a comedy improv troupe they would think i was a stand-up comedian they would like be funny dawn and i would say i'm not a comedian i'm doing comedy improv and the rules of comedy improv allow me to be funny so by by being authentic by yes anding people by not denying that makes it funny and i think in life um don't try to be anything that you're not by being authentic, sometimes you may be funny, sometimes you may be sweet, sometimes you may um, more, better help someone, but 
everyone can buy into someone when they're authentic. Yes. Yes. Well, these are pretty cool. I'm glad you explained these. these oh, I think these you. are really good uh, rules, if you want to call rules, to live by. I mean, in they our are. daily, they really are. Well, let's get to our topic. We're going to talk about helping the needy. And, and you gave me a scripture that I want to bring out as our first scripture. And it's in Leviticus 23, 22. And, it's, and actually, this, this particular verse um, is listed in other areas. This is yes. not the only one. There's three times this is listed. Yes, in fact, I had to pick one. <laughs> like, I knew the scripture, and then I realized, oh my gosh, there's like multiple places yeah. where this scripture is actually said in slightly different ways, but the same yeah. thing. Same yeah. Thing, yeah. So it says here, it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. And we can see this. I brought up Ruth. We see this in the book of Ruth where she was poor. And so she and her mother-in-law would go into the field and gather up food so they could eat. Right. And you would have poor people. And, And the Bible talks a lot about that if you're well off. Basically, back then, somebody well off had farm or had animals and so forth and for the poor for those who were not as fortunate right well and i liked it i shared with you that there was a story behind it actually many years ago while i was first working for cam my son worked for a marketing company and he said we can do a free logo for you and i was like oh okay you know i wasn't really that interested because i'm about helping people i didn't care about the logo we had it had a little cross on it and said cam um They just kept kind of hounding me, and they would send me logos that were real funny, like angels, like stereotypical Christian pictures. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, at like 2 or 3 in the morning one night, that scripture came to my mind and the idea that we could have a wheat logo. And that wheat meant so many things, the concept of the bread of life, um, the concept that... um, that wheat stands for so many things, not just the physical bread, but um, as I said to you before, the bread of life and then the actual meeting the physical need and that that scripture was a call to action for all of us, that we all have a harvest, whether we work at Circle K or at a church or we work in a bank, that we're going to have a harvest and that we're called to Um, leave over any extra we have for people. But I love the part that we're also called not to spend all of our harvest. It's not just about the extra. When he says, don't cut the corners, that means we are purposely not harvesting all that we can have and we're leaving some for other people. And I felt like Cam could really be that and that we can all participate in that no matter how, what our income is. And actually, I believe that this... uh the scripture is um, so that we could, well, it would teach us to express our thankfulness to God for what he's given to us. Absolutely. Okay. And it gives us that, that, abil- that I don't know about the ability, but it gives us that expression to give to the poor in those ways. Yes, absolutely. So I think it's very, very much a teaching thing that God has given us. Yes. Um, if you um, are watching our show now, uh, if you go to our website, uh, www.thebelieversjourney.net, uh, and go to our guest page, and you'll see um, Don's there, her picture. Down below the writing is, is the logo. Mm-hmm. And so if you click on it, it'll take you right to their web, web page. Yeah. So that'll be kind of uh, good. And, and read through their website. I mean, this is an amazing Amazing ministry. I, I really am totally impressed with this. Well, thank you. Ministry. We encourage you to read it in case you need help, if you know somebody that needs help, or you're looking for being a part of the solution. We have lots of ways that, that you can serve as well. And if you happen to be in Russia or, or the Philippines or somewhere, sure. you can pray for this ministry. Absolutely. Or get so, ideas. Yeah. I mean, one of the... One of our strategic goals is that CAM is not going to be the place that can serve everybody, but we can do more and do better by helping others 
who might want to do that at their churches or at other locations. We think that we have created a good model. We have a lot of um, strategies on how to serve a large volume of people. I said 50,000 people with a mere 10 staff. So we also want what we do to be replicated. Yeah. Now, I have some other scriptures here I definitely want to read and talk about. One is in Deuteronomy. And actually, there are two scriptures in Deuteronomy. One's kind of a few verses down. So we have Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 8, and also verse 11. And so what it says is, If any among you, uh, one of your brothers, should become poor in any of your towns, within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for what is sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have, like what you're doing, it doesn't have to be just food or just right. clothes, but, you know, the IDs or the bus, you know, if you need transportation yes. or help with prescriptions. So you're helping them in their need, not necessarily, oh, right. I have some food here and this is all I'm going to do for right. you. Right. I mean, there are ministries, that's what they do, and that's what they're set up to do, and that's great. But I think what you do goes to that extra point and actually fills this, whatever the need is, you fill that. And that's why I'm impressed with you, with Cam. I, yeah. I, I think because that fills that. In verse four, 11, it says, For there will never cease, there will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore, I command you to, that you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So here the Bible tells us we'll always have the poor, but it tells us to help them. Always keep helping. Always keep helping. And that's important. And I think that, you know, we as believers need to follow this teaching because there are other scriptures that tell us that what will happen when we do and what will happen when we don't. Right. And I think that's part of what, you know, we're going to talk about in the next 15 minutes here. Sure. In Hebrews thirteen sixteen, it says, Do not neglect to do what is good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You know, I think that you said something earlier, and I want to jump on that. You know, I think a lot of times we think about ourselves so often mm-hmm. that we're not seeing beyond our visual mirror, mm-hmm. if you will. We're not seeing those who are hurting. We're not seeing those who are needing and hungry and hurting and and uh, so forth. And I really believe that the Bible teaches that we need to take that mirror away sometimes and start vi- looking out beyond sure. ourselves so that we can see those in need. Because there are things that are happening to people that we really don't understand. So... Um, if you've been lived in a certain circumstances where um, you haven't had great need, um, that's wonderful. I'm not wouldn't criticize you, but you're going to have to look outside of your own personal experiences to understand the depths of crisis that can be happening to people, and that it may not be any fault of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I do think you have to look outside of yourself and stretch your mind and your thinking. And even if you are in, have had some crisis, um, I think the best way to, to feel better is to help someone else feel better. Sometimes there's things we can't change about our own lives. Yeah. We might be able to change something in someone else's life. And hopefully... There's going to be someone else that's going to help us. That always happens. You know, I was really fortunate. When I was 16 and a half, almost 17, I moved into my car. So I lived in my car for a short period of time, and I attended the church, and I was praying and and wanting to know where my life was going to go and what was happening. And there was a guy that came down to the altar and and started talking to me and asking me my situation or my problem, what I'm praying for, and I told him. So he and his wife actually opened their house for me to rent a room for about $100 a month, and uh, which was a great answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. I, I moved in, I, got, I had a job, so and they fed me, and it was really nice. So uh, my car at one point couldn't drive it, so they had a little scooter, 
<laughs> and so I drove the scooter to school. Right. And um, it was really, really, really cool. And I had to move out. Of, well, at one point, I moved out of their home and back into my car. And this is when the pastor had come over and made funny noises at five in the morning. And so he actually had me come live with him. And so God had been very... I, even through those situations, very blessing, blessed mm -hmm. me with what I saw. And I had a situation where um, I was angry with God for some things that happened in my life. And I was going to go to the college at the time. And I decided I don't think I want to do this because I'm angry with God. Mm -hmm. And I got a call from Point Loma University. And they had said to me, in fact, they called me in a place I don't live, didn't live. And they said, um, this is the university. We have a $500 grant if you'd like to come. Well, let me think about it, you know. And so all the encouragement to go, you know, from my mom and my and my boss. And I went back home with the pastor. And he said, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I didn't know for the next 30 or 40 years it was him that arranged all that so that I can go to the university. And by doing that, changed my life. Because if I didn't go, I'm right. sure things would have been di right. very different. But God took care of me through mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. who were believers who didn't have to say, look what I did for you. Right. They just did it. Well, and I love that there's a lot of different little people and that even those people didn't know or have any assurance that their help was going to do anything. They've chosen in faith to take action to help somebody and they couldn't know what your end result would be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we're called to help. At CAM, many times we don't see a client, but for that hour that they're there. And I don't know how it might spark um, a change in their life. That day that they got their utility assistance paid, maybe their child saw that, and it will impact him for the rest of his life. And so we do these things without knowing the end result. We don't have to be the one who resolves all of the problem. Just doing anything can be a catalyst. So I yeah. love that. I mean, even Jesus in chapter 25 of Matthew, I'm not going to read the passage. Um, it's uh, basically Jesus talks about um, when he was hungry and poor and in jail and so forth, you know, that you visited me or fed me mm -hmm. or clothed me and so forth. And therefore, you know, come live with me forever in heaven and so forth. Right. And for those who didn't feed or clothe or whatever, and they had no idea. What do you mean? When I, when do we ever see you? Is right. when you saw the least of me mm -hmm. and didn't do these things to these other people. Right. You didn't do it to me and mm -hmm. therefore go away. And I think that's important because now we can see there's actual consequences there's positive consequences and there's negative consequences mm -hmm. for either helping or not helping those right. in need and i think that that is such a huge teaching absolutely and i think we shouldn't ignore that right so yes absolutely and that's why i one of the things that i view the ministry at camp to be multifaceted one, it's a ministry to those people who have a need of various economic reasons, homelessness, non-homelessness, working poor. But it also is an opportunity for us who maybe don't have a need to have a safe place to volunteer and to see um, miracles in action that we wouldn't normally get to see. Um, we when you're asking about, you know, when the, the person said, well, when did we see you, Jesus, you know, needing help or whatever? By putting yourself proximate, by donating to a place like CAM or any other nonprofit, by helping the poor, you're, you're putting yourself out there to see Jesus um, in the people in our community, to form a relationship, to see what people need needs are and ultimately you will be blessed by that yeah in fact the scripture gives us a good promise in proverbs nineteen seventeen. it says this whoever is generous to the poor lends to the lord mm -hmm. and he will repay him for his deed absolutely so we we have the promise of what how what god is going to do for us as we help those in need and i absolutely. think that's important that we see the scripture doesn't just say, go help them. It says, if you do, you're honoring God. And because you do this and because you honor him, he will bless you. Absolutely. And I cannot tell you how many times I've been volunteering at something or doing something with no idea to be 
getting anything back. And then uh, years later, or as a part of that process, I will receive some kind of gift um, or affirmation that I couldn't even think about asking for. I didn't say yes to get any of those things. Mm-hmm. It just became a part of that process. And so when the more you do, the more it is easier to say yes and feel good about it, um, knowing that you're making the difference in someone's life and you start to see um, the beauty of that process in your own life. Yeah. There's one more scripture I want to read, and this is in Isaiah mm-hmm. chapter 58. And I really want my I want my audience to really listen to this because I think this is so profound. It is so convicting. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 10 and 11. And it says this, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. In other words, he's going to brighten your life. Absolutely. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. So when times are tough, times are bad, you're in a place that's really hard, he will make you strong. Absolutely. Finally, he says, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Yeah. I think this passage right here is for everyone to understand and read and see this because I think that, you know, it just says it is the responsibility of believers to love one another, do for one another, lift each other up, pray for one another. I think it's a, it has the same level of responsibility for us to help those in need, help those who are hungry, mm-hmm. help those who are afflicted. We don't know. And, and like I said before, there's people in judgment. You know, God never said that the throne is for us human type people to sit on to judge. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever, ever are we to judge one another. It's not our place. Right. It's God's place. Jesus is on the throne. Right. He is the one who is worthy to be on the throne. We were not. And I think that once we understand that, we need to get off of that, get out there, and become part of the solution. Yes. And that's what I see can. That's what I see Church Under the Bridge. That's what I see, you know, Any Woman Can. All sure. these other ministries that I've had on my show, mm-hmm. that's what I see. And the people getting within the people to help. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe more and more as I see this, that God is honoring those people, you yourself, because you're there to help those who are in need and afflicted and hurting. Yes. And I think those ministries provide an opportunity for anyone to have proximity um, to those in need, to have an opportunity to form a relationship. So don't just sit at your home and think, well, I can't do anything, or I don't know what would be the right thing to do, or I don't know how. Um, God will equip you and um, take any opportunity that's presented to you. And then if you are searching, look for other places who have that professional experience for you to join hands with. There's a lot you can do with others, whether it's CAM or any nonprofit. If you live in Moldova, is that how, is that how you That's pronounce exactly it? it? Okay. Um, if you live anywhere, we can. there are all ways that we can get involved and, and form relationships with people and do the right thing and be blessed by that act of service. In fact, it doesn't matter where you live. And right. It doesn't matter if you're watching this show from Moldova, from the Ukraine, which is the second, you know, lowest place as far as poverty goes. If you're watching from the Philippines or wherever you're from, there's things you can do. When we go back to Moldova, I usually get a list, (laughs) enough to fill one or two suitcases to buy items to bring back Mm -hmm. for people, uh, whether it be clothing, uh, 
shoes, whether it be stuff for a computer, whether it be stuff for vitamins and things like right. that. We just bring a, a bunch of stuff back. We don't really know where it goes, who it's for, or whatever. And one time, this really impressed me. I, I came back, and there's a couple that uh, we um, – actually, they were on my show in January of this year. Uh, we brought back a pair of shoes that we gave to them, which I – assumed was for her because mm-hmm. a lot of times it is for the missionaries themselves right. and so she brought those shoes and we went to the a church this sunday we, she brought the shoes and there was a, a young lady there who uh she handed the shoes to and i thought well that's impressive here's the poor helping the poor she may not be able to afford the shoes but she was able to ask me if i would bring the shoes right. so there's always a way Absolutely. There's always a way. And, and I really encourage people to to ask for these items when I go over there. Um, I ask people to help me. You know, these things usually cost to right. $2,500 $2, or $2,000. Right. And I'm able to raise most of that money to buy the items that we can bring over there to hand out right. and to watch them to go to even people who even can't afford it who are not them. It's just kind of a blessing. Absolutely. And I just really, really think... Uh, we need to understand that we're there to help one another. Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, I love what you do. I love I love your story. Thank you. I'm so glad you came on, on the program. Um, this is kind of our time. We have to wrap up. Okay. <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining us today, and aloha, and have a wonderful week. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.